And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. These words begin the darkest night in human history. Immediately after sharing communion with his disciples, Jesus took them out on the Mount of Olives uh, and, and he gave them this deeply sobering truth. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would die alone. His disciples would reject him. The nation of Israel would reject him. The Romans would reject him. And worst of all, at the end of this awful night, God the Father would reject him. We tend to focus on the brutal, excruciating pain that happened at the crucifixion, and that's very true, but the gospel writers mention it in passing, just briefly. But they give vivid detail on his rejection. And so tonight, as we remember the events of that horrible evening, let us remember that Jesus died completely alone. His rejection sadly began with the disciples. Jesus quoted this passage from, Jeremiah, from Zechariah, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered to prophesy that even his disciples, the men that had followed him for years, would, would flee or more literally be scandalized by him that evening. And of course, Peter resisted this prophecy. Uh, his response is recorded in Matthew 26, 33. Though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away from you. Now it's easy to dismiss Peter's misguided bravado. This is, after all, just Peter being Peter. But his claim actually has some weight to it. It makes sense that he would say, I'm, I'm not gonna deny you. Think about everything that Jesus had done for Peter. He had come up to this discouraged fisherman in an obscure fishing town up in Galilee, and he had irresistibly compelled him to, to leave everything and follow him. Jesus had looked into Peter's eyes and he said, I'm no longer going to call you Simon. I'm going to call you Peter, which means rock. He changed his name and he changed his identity. Peter certainly remembered the day when his mother-in-law was dying and Jesus went into the house and he stretched out his hand and the fever fled. They, they were preparing for her death that morning and that night she's cooking dinner. Peter remembered that. And he remembered the time where Jesus led him up onto the mountain with James and John and introduced him to Moses and Elijah. And he remembered the time when he invited him to step out on the water and he stepped out and he walked on water. And he certainly remembered the time just moments earlier where Jesus had gotten down like a servant and washed his nasty, disgusting feet. And so now Jesus is saying, you're gonna run at the drop of a hat? No way, this is not gonna happen. But Jesus stood by it. He even took it one step de deeper. He said, truly, Peter, I tell you that before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. According to Jesus, Peter's denial would be immediate and it would be complete. He wouldn't just say it in passing. He would fully, completely deny Jesus before the sun came up. But Peter resisted again. Even if I have to die with you, I'll die with you, but just don't tell me that I'll deny you. But he did. Everyone did. An hour later, Peter, James, and John were taking a nap while Jesus prayed alone in the garden. Jesus was tormented by the thought of the agony that he would soon face, and the disciples were unaware and asleep. When the soldiers came to the garden, the disciples scattered like sheep. 
One man, Mark tells us, one man, um, young man, was desperately trying to get away so passionately that the guy grabbed his cloak and he, he slid out of his cloak and he ran away naked. He would rather run through the streets and run into his house completely naked than face the shame of being identified with Jesus. That's how badly they wanted to get away from him. A few hours later, Peter vehemently denied any association with Jesus. Little slave girls were saying, aren't you from Galilee? I, you sound like you're with him. And he denied it. He sweared. He gave oaths. I do not know that man. And the rooster crowed and Peter wept bitterly. What happened? In just an hour. What happened to Peter? Well, the simple answer is this. It was written that the, she, the shepherd would be struck and the sheep would scatter. Matthew 26, later on in the chapter, Matthew records that all this took place that the scripture of the prophets might be fulfilled. The disciples left him and fled because Jesus had to die alone. Good Friday was not a night of courage and loyalty from the disciples. It was a night of cowardice. It was a night when the sin of the world, even the sin of the disciples, was prominently displayed. Well, everyone except for Jesus. He, he remained loyal. He didn't run. They led, led Jesus to the high priest, and, and his, reaction, the, the, his rejection was even more pronounced here. The elders of Israel were desperate. They were just grasping for some sort of an excuse to kill him. And they couldn't. They couldn't find any, and how could they? What did he do wrong? He was blameless. They grasped and they grasped until somebody finally misinterpreted some of his words about the temple, and it was settled. Think about the tragedy of this scene for a moment. The high priest that night should have been, should have recognized the truth in Jesus' words. The elders should have been tuned in to what was happening there, but they weren't. They were waiting for the Messiah, and here he was, and they were trying to kill him. Listen to how John says it. John records these in his first chapter of his book. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. Once the leaders settled on an excuse, they spit on him and they struck his face. Prophesy to us, you Christ. And they slapped him. Who was it that hit you? And they slapped him again. Good Friday was not a time for truth. It was a time for twisting words and self-serving agendas by the leaders of God's chosen people. The sin of the world was on full display. Again, the sin of everyone but Jesus. He stayed true to the end. Well, the rejection was even more pronounced when he was handed over to the Romans. After a few exchanges with the Jews, Pilate finally delivered him up to be crucified. And the expert executioners had fun with this man who claimed to be king. They put a purple robe around his bloodied back and they twisted together a crown of thorns and they put it on his hand and they handed him a stick and they bowed down to irreverently mock him. Oh, hell, king of the Jews. 
When they got tired of this, they took the stick and they beat his head. They eventually stripped him naked and they hung him up on the cross. And Matthew says that as he hung there, even the men dying next to him looked in at him and they reviled him. And the strangers that walked by and they saw this bloody beaten man, the king of the Jews, who is this guy? They wagged their heads. Who is this man? Everybody rejected him. Perhaps we could understand the Gentiles' rejection. After all, the soldiers who beat him didn't know the ancient prophecy. They weren't necessarily looking for a Messiah. They were just doing their job. But even still, the rejection is tragic because after all, Jesus was their king too. And in just a few short years, thousands of people in the capital city of Rome would actually bow their knee to King Jesus, but not Good Friday. Not this night. This was not a night of reverent respect. It was a night of indifference. People didn't care. Sin of the world was fully displayed on Good Friday. Everyone rejected Jesus. The disciples fled at the first sight of dangers. The religious leaders despised him, and the Romans simply didn't care. The promised Son of God came to the earth, and we rejected him because of our sin. Do you see how repulsive sin is that we would do this to God's Son? And can you understand that this makes God furious? Justified anger at this behavior. These cowardly, cruel, and vindictive people had rejected his beloved son. God would respond this very night by unleashing his wrath in a way that the world has never known. The citizens in Noah's day didn't know God's wrath that it, as it was poured out on Good Friday. The citizens of Sodom didn't know it, nor did Pharaoh in Egypt. But in the most gracious and loving act the world has ever known, God poured out his wrath, not on the people that deserved it, but on that one man that never knew sin. Peter escaped God's judgment. Caiaphas and Pilate and the mocking soldiers, they all escaped God's judgment that night. Jesus did not. On the most chaotic night in the history of the universe, God's plan was perfectly executed. Isaiah had prophesied hundreds of years, we read this passage, that it was God's will to crush him. The father was pleased to send his son to the cross and the son willingly went. Let that sink in. Good Friday, the love of God was fully displayed. John describes this in his first epistle, chapter four. And this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins Good Friday has nothing to do with us except for our awful sin. It has everything to do with the great love of God the Father and his obedient and submissive son, Jesus. Well, as Jesus hung on the cross, gasping for air, he faced his final rejection. 
My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The unthinkable had happened. God had forsaken his own son. When God saw the sin of the world on the broken body of Jesus, he turned his face away. And Jesus died completely alone. 